Hare Krishna and Happy New Year. Welcome to Sankirtan On. My name is Anandamurai Das and I'm really happy to be here with you. Uh, we've had a bit of a break since our last episode, but I am beyond excited that in this new year, uh, a lot of really sweet ideas coming up, a lot of really great opportunities, great interviews coming your way to keep us inspired in that act of Sankirtan. And uh, because by giving we grow. And that's that's really what we want to motivate and stoke here on the Sankirtan On podcast. Today, uh, I am very excited to share with you a conversation that I had with a good friend of mine, Anupam Prabhu, who him and his wife, Mani Mandri, are based uh, in New York City. I had heard him share some uh, occurrences that, it, that he had gone through while on Sankirtan, actually just while at work, but... Uh, because he had Srila Prabhupada's book with him, uh, they became magical moments. And, and uh, he also shared with me a story that I hadn't really heard uh, that took place on Sankirtan during the pandemic, during the height of the pandemic in New York City. So it's a be- two beautiful stories, uh, and I felt that there was a lot of really nice conversations. So I'm really excited to share these conversations with you. And uh, like I said... Uh, look out for this year, a lot of really fresh ideas and new content coming your way, a lot of really great discussions uh, with some Sankirtan heroes and legends that I'm really looking forward to. Hare Krishna, welcome to Sankirtan On, this is your host Anandamurari Das, and uh, I'm with a very dear friend of mine, uh, Anupam Prabhu, uh, I first met Anupam Actually, in India, what was that Anupam like? Eight years ago, six years ago, eight years ago, something like that. Two thousand. Yeah, twenty fourteen, I think it oh was. Oh my yeah. goodness! Eight years ago. So, so there we were. Uh, we were in India at a retreat with His Grace Vaisheshik Prabhu and His Holiness Keshav Bharti Swami. Uh, that we. Uh, we're just reading Bhagavatam uh, for, you know, hours and hours every day, uh, walking around Govardhan Hill and uh, had a really, you know, I think a, a special connection. I Like in, in remembering that time that we were there together, I was, I remember recounting to you the memory I have of us going uh, into kind of like the Radhakun town area and we uh, were doing Kirtan and we were reading, I was reading um, the teachings of Prahlad Maharaj, is that like little booklet. And we were discussing that and uh, just just very special. And then I'm, you know, I'm super happy that we've had the opportunity to reconnect uh, in the more like, you know, last five years or so, being able just to connect on a deeper level and, and develop more of a friendship. And so I'm super grateful that you're here. Thank you so much, Prabhu. Thank you for having me. It's my honor. I'm a big fan of Sankatan on so many episodes. Uh, Mother Nidra, of course, is graced by Shishkarabhu and so many others. I feel very unqualified to have been asked to, to uh, speak here today, but um, I'm so glad to just be connecting with you, my dear friend. So thank you. Well, I would I would beg to differ of your qualification. I'm now looking at your Zoom picture and um, just kind of like an embossed image of of how I really perceive you in my heart. You're just a person that is always ready to give. Uh, the Zoom picture that you have is you're distributing some book in the subways of New York City, I'm assuming. And uh, not only do you have 
in my my experience of you just and an incessant desire to give but you give in such a gentle and genuine way that uh, really attracts the hearts of, of people that you come in contact with and I've heard this directly from the mouths of people that you've helped so I'm deeply grateful um, this last year during the celebration of Yasa Puja um, I heard you share uh, a pastime from some of your Sankirtan um, adventures and I was moved uh, by the by the story um, and I wanted to share it and you were mentioning also that you have other experiences because like anyone that has gone out on Sankirtan it's it's you know it's we're, we're working within the internal energy that's the invitation that Mahaprabhu is giving us and uh, so it's not uncommon that we experience miracles and I remember thinking when I first joined it was through going out on books that was like my first service and uh i remember just how much my faith grew because of the frequency of miracles that took place so um i was i wanted to have you on today just so we could kind of you could share that with us these stories that you have uh and then just have a discussion around that sounds good yeah i can't wait i just just from what you were just saying i'm thinking of um i was just recently watching following Prabhupada, the first one, and uh, Brahmananda Prabhu was recounting how so often when they were helping Prabhupada, especially in those beginning days, things would happen, these little miracles, and it would just be like all the time, these mm. little things were happening, and, and they would always just be looking at each other in, in like disbelief, but in like, you know, acceptance of the fact that, you know, this is mystical, and mm. keep saying and um, so, of course, Prabhupada was so in tune with that internal potency. He was obviously the embodiment of, of Sankirtan. Mm. So, yeah, we're very fortunate, privileged to have some little opportunity to connect with him and Lord Chaitanya in that way. Yeah, well said. So, this first story that you shared, it was it was about a uh, a job that you had. You worked a job at a golf course. Could you kind of paint the scene for us? Yes, for sure. So yeah, I, um, for many people may know the the job title is called a caddy, and so essentially what you do is you walk around the golf course with a golfer, and you pretty much assist them. Typically, caddies know a, a good bit about the game, and they can help to make sure that they do their best and score the lowest score they possibly can. Um, so yes, yeah, since I actually practically grew up on a golf course, my father having worked on one. Um, it's a job I had done over the summers for many years, basically since I was around 15 or so. And um, yeah, so I continued doing it and um, it was a great summer gig. This particular instance actually occurred on um, a big event, actually one of the biggest events uh, in the golf world. It was the qualifier for the U.S. Open, which is basically the biggest golf tournament in the world. Um, so the special thing about this tournament is you don't necessarily need to be registered as a professional golfer to qualify for it. Anybody who who shoots a low enough score in the qualifier can get into this big tournament and potentially win millions of dollars. Mm. Um, so I uh, was asked to caddy in it, but it was quite impromptu because normally they already have their own caddies, these really good golfers when they come to uh, these events. Um, but it just so happened one early morning that one golfer decided he wanted to carry his own bag 
Um, so he came in and he thought that that would be okay for whatever reason. And it was very early in the morning, around like 5.30, 6 a.m. because they have to get going early so they can finish before it gets dark. And when he came to the courts, he suddenly realized that he needed a caddy, someone told him. Um, so then he immediately called the head of the course and told him the situation they needed one. But he unfortunately didn't answer. <laughs> Which is crazy. <laughs> because it's the busiest day of the year, basically. I mean, that's like the time, it's like the day where you answer the phone no matter mm. what. Because yeah. it's like, again, it's the biggest, it's one of the biggest days in the golf world. So then he called the courser I was working at and um, that guy answered. And because he knew my, my old boss that I would generally get up quite early, uh, he decided to call me first and see if <laughs> I would be available. I know that Alex guy, He uh, he's always up in the morning doing something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, somehow or other, he, uh, <laughs> he thought of me. And, and anyway, that's how, that's how the story began this week. I uh, I really appreciate this point about kind of the just being the readiness of service. You didn't speak it directly, but you you mentioned how this kind of came up impromptu. And although one could say, "Oh yeah, I mean, you're you're you know you're ready for a job or ready for you know," but I think of all the different ways and we're kind of speaking about these Krishna miracles. You know, like what what to what degree are we open to the ways in which Krishna is going to show up? Like I'm, I'm, I'm now just recalling the pastime in the ninth canto uh, of the king who's fasting, and these various guests start coming, and just his readiness to serve and sacrifice. So, in uh, you know, in so many uh, ostensibly mundane circumstances of our life, what is our eagerness for the impromptu service mm-hmm. that may arise? And uh, yeah, and that you, you know, that you were kind of you were primed. You were in that position because of your sadhana, because of just kind of the way that you're structuring your life. Uh, Mm. You were available, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It worked out. I mean, I agree. I think that's the whole essence of our philosophy. Also, if you think about it, this hoitiki apertiata, unmotivated and and uninterrupted. Mm. There's uh, there's this one great soul. I'll just say really quickly, named Adi Purush Prabhu from the NYC area. Mm. And at one point, he was having me memorize verses from Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam. And his program was he would have me memorize them, he'd give me a verse, and then have me memorize them. And then I would call him once I had it down, and then I would recite it to him. Mm. And then he would give me another verse to then to then memorize. Mm. But anyone who knows him knows that he is fully engaged in devotional service to the point where he actually really doesn't sleep so much. Mm. Um, he often works the overnight shift at uh, his bed and breakfast that he owns, which is basically a big kind of bhakti preaching um, springboard. People get prasadam and hear the holy names and mm. wind up coming to the morning program at Bhakti Center sometimes. Um, so because of that and, and the other services he does, he really doesn't sleep. I, he'll get like a half hour here, half hour there. So I, knowing this, one day when I called him to read him the verse, asked him like, is there a certain time where like I shouldn't call you because you know I don't want to disturb your sleep? Yeah, I know you don't get to sleep much. And he said, "No, it's okay. You know, just call me whenever, and don't worry about it." And I'm like, "No, you know, I really want to 
make sure that I'm not disturbing you. I know, you know, you're, you're so engaged and I wouldn't want to disturb your sleep. And he said, no, really, you know, don't worry about it. And I kind of pressed again. I was like, really, you know, I, I really don't want to be the reason, you know, you didn't get enough sleep one day. And then he said, mm. he boomed at me, unmotivated, uninterrupted devotional service. He says, this is what we're going for. And then I could understand finally that, uh, yeah, this was his realization, his mood. This is his, his level that he actually um, preferred to be fully engaged wow. as opposed to, uh, to sleeping. So, wow, that's special. Yeah. Hopefully one day I can get there. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're, you're kind of, you're at the ready. Your your boss calls you because he says, you know, this this boy Alex, he's always up early in the morning. This is kind of mm. last minute. So he calls you and what does he say? He calls me, yeah. I think um, I was like uh, sleeping on the ground <laughs> on my carpet. Uh, I, I think I had, had a late night the night before, some kind of program or something. So I was I was still sleeping. I think it was like, you know, 6 6 a.m., maybe 6.30. So my phone rings. Yeah, I I get the call. I wake up. Um, I'm like, okay, let's do this. Uh, So he calls me in. He's like, yeah, it's an emergency. I need you to come in as soon as possible if you can. I'm like, okay, sure. Um, So, yes, I came in, and then I recall immediately once I got there, um, one of the other guys who worked there, a friend of mine, um, kind of came out to me, and he was like, oh, you're going to like this guy. He's like, you guys are going to get along. I'm like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, he's like very mellow like you. You know, he's very chill and and um, you guys are going to be a good match. Because obviously with that caddy golfer relationship, you kind of need someone who kind of matches your mood. Yeah. Otherwise, because golf is such a mental game mm. and um, the slightest thing can, can throw you off mentally. And then that's all it takes for you to be, you know, a quarter of an inch off when you strike yeah. the ball and then and then thus you know 100 yards left or right of where you need to be so yeah. it, it does come down a lot, a lot of times to those subtleties but in any case yeah he seemed to be someone who um wasn't your typical golfer so to mm. speak and not like the ultra competitive and um you know like stern guy like um but more kind of down to earth and yeah. and chill so then, of course, I went and met him, and we spoke for a little bit, and he seemed like a cool guy, and um, then we were off. So we're, we're walking, and um, for those who don't know, golf, especially tournament golf, is, can take quite a long time. Typically, like, around in that setting could take up to four hours. Wow. And uh, for this particular uh, day in this event, it was actually two rounds, so it would, it would add up to around eight hours wow. of us being together. So for the first like two hours or so, we're just talking and that's a big part of the job also is just kind of making them comfortable and conversing with them and uh, getting to know them and kind of, um, yeah, kind of helping them settle in mm-hmm. to uh, the environment in some way. So naturally I've become um, kind of accustomed to just making small talk and, and uh, trying to make people feel comfortable. So it just so happened that he was a, um, he worked for a big casino in Las Vegas, mm. uh, doing like sports betting and stuff like that, helping make the lines and um, decide, you know, how much people can 
can make if they bet a certain amount on a certain team to win a certain game. Yeah. Um, so basically, you know, gambling. <laughs> so <laughs> in, in short, <laughs> in yeah, short, he was gambling. basically his yeah his job was to help people gamble. Um, so you know, I, I um, was nice about it. Of course, I'm not going to tell him I don't do that and you shouldn't do that. You know, I kind of you know again my job is to make him feel comfortable and stuff. And I of course also having grown up in America and um, competitive kind of environment, I was also always into sports and, mm. and um, so I can talk about certain teams and stuff like that with him. So we're talking and I'm asking him lots of questions and um, he's telling me lots about the whole ins and outs of, of betting and drawing lines and sports games and stuff like that. And eventually, you know, a few hours in, I really start to think I really probably shouldn't be talking about this so much because, you know, <laughs> after all, I am trying to be a Hare Krishna, so to speak. And, um, you know, it's probably not the best thing for my consciousness to just be talking about, you know, sports and gambling for mm. the next eight hours. <laughs> but yeah, because, I mean, it is a long time. Um, but anyway, I was like, anyway, this is, uh, this is what I got to do to make him comfortable and this is what I'll do. So then right around that kind of moment that I had, he turns to me, so are you like, you know, into this? Like, is this something that you like want to do or, you know, um, is this like, you know, what you want to get into? And I said, actually, I, I lived as a monk in India for, um, for some time. And so that's kind of more my speed. You know, I'm not really so much into the, into the sports and gambling as much. And he said, a monk in India. Mm. Wow. This is going to be a good day. And I was like, oh, okay, um, what do you mean? You know, and he said, you know, I'm also into spirituality and, and um, wow. meditation philosophy. And I'm like, wow. So we did a complete 180. Yeah. And now all of a sudden we're talking about like, you know, how the material world is um, false and, <laughs> um, you know, how sense enjoyment doesn't really ultimately satisfy somebody. And he mm. seemed to like be quite in line with like, you know, what I was what you know what the vedic version presents yeah and so we're getting into it and <clears throat> now i'm like really excited because i'm like wow we can actually talk about something that's um satisfying in some way uh -huh. so this is going on and maybe about another hour goes by or so and i always try and keep a book on me wherever i go and um so i happen to have one kind of in my front pocket area and i was going over to the next tea box with him and we're talking, so he's kind of facing me. And I go in that front pocket to take something out. And then as I do, then the book kind of comes up a little bit mm. out of my front pocket. Want to distribute itself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Just as a as a word to the wise, we had Dave Amadava Prabhu speak on here once. And he was uh, has this, uh, this, this concept of each one carry one. And, mm. you know, the principle of just by having Prabhupada's books with us, they'll distribute themselves. Like we don't really have to do much if we have the books and they'll, you know, and then His Grace Vaishesh Guru says that you can't distribute books you don't have. You know, so this yeah. word of the wise, you carry a book on you and it'll it'll jump out and distribute itself. Yeah, I think it speaks to that whole idea also of um, being ready, you know, always and always uh, being available. You yeah. know, like Prabhupada says so many times, what will your five minutes of preaching do? But but just by having that book, all of a sudden we've made ourselves available as, as like really able conduits of, of Prabhupada's mm. mercy. Yeah. Because we can really uh, help them in a big way, take a big step by giving them a book. Yeah. 
So you reached into your bag, you were grabbing something else, and then this book kind of like slid out. Yeah, the book kind of started coming up a little bit out of my front pocket. And um, it just so happened, so, you know, air quotes, just so happened <laughs> to be to be turned around, right? And so on the back, it was a small book. I think it was Easy Journey or maybe Perfection of Yoga. But it was turned around. And so as I was taking it up, Prabhupada's picture popped up mm. on top of the book. And then he kind of noticed that and he was like, oh, what's that? Like, And what's that book? And I'm like, oh, it's something and I'll give it to you later. It's a gift for you. You know, just kind of brushing it off because I was planning, obviously going to give it to him later. Yeah. And he's like, is that Shima Prabhupada? <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> what? He's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, is that Prabhupada? You know? He was, you know, obviously broken. He couldn't, ex he didn't exactly have the pronunciation of it. I could understand that he was, he had recognized Prabhupada. Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah, this is, this is Prabhupada. I'm like, you know, Prabhupada? And he said, oh, I have three of his books in my car. I've been reading them nonstop. I can't get enough of them. Wow. And I'm like, whoa, Krishna. And I remember like, it was one of those lightning bolt moments, you know, where, Every now and then, you know, you really feel like, wow, like mm. Krishna is here. And yeah. like, you know, Prabhupada is here right now. Yeah. And, um, and there's no coincidences. Just the fact that like so many things had to happen in order for that moment to actually take place, right? Yeah. Like, of course, first of all, the U.S. Open Qualifier is held in different places every year. It's not that it's always at the course that i happen to work at yeah it's in different places every year so it just so happened that it was at the course this year that i happen to work at but second pretty much everybody knows you have to take a caddy mm. um, but for whatever reason he got like the wrong message he read the thing wrong and so he was like the one guy out of hundreds that somehow missed the boat and thought that he didn't need to take his own caddy mm. right and then we get to the he gets you know to the course he realizes his his problem he calls the course that he's starting at and they don't pick up the phone which again is just totally like unheard of yeah you know this idea that like um it's like the busiest day of the year it's the year where like the guy who's in charge of caddies needs to be available just in case of a situation like this you know where where there's an emergency he didn't pick up the phone which is crazy so then he called the other chorus that got me. And um, just the fact that he was who he was. I mean, again, you know, like for professional athletes or, or semi-professional athletes as he is, um, to be into, like really into like spirituality and meditation to the point where like you're studying the philosophy, yeah. not just like trying to use it for like the focus it can give you or some kind of mental edge, but actually like you're a seeker. Yeah. yourself and then you know for for him to get me the, the hat the, you know the um the chance that i was available that particular morning mm. um and that i was the first one that the um the caddy boss called it all kind of came together and of course the fact that i had Prabhupada's uh book on me yeah and um <clears throat> 
I, I tried to, but of course, not always does it does it happen. Of course, there's lapses in my in my carrying of Prophet's book, so I happen to have it on me. And then on top of all of that, that it was turned around, <laughs> right? And and that it was, but it was still right side up. So Prabhupada's picture was still on top, so that when I when I reached into my front pocket and pulled up, that he saw Prabhupada's picture. Yeah. Otherwise, what most likely would have happened was at the end, then I would have just given him the book and just kind of said a few words. You know, it's about yoga, meditation stuff. He probably wouldn't have even turned it around. He probably just said thank you and you know. Um, taking it with him, and mm. but the fact that it was also turned around, he saw Prabhupada's picture, and he recognized Prabhupada, and he asked me about it. It was just, wow. and then I just kind of like had this realization then in that moment that like Prabhupada's still here, you know, Prabhupada never left, and and Krishna and Lord Chaitanya are always arranging things so perfectly, so yeah. that the conditioned souls can come back to them. So I was obviously like. So, I mean, all this hit me at once, and I was so like amazed, and um, it felt like I was suddenly like removed from like material world for a sec. Not not like in an ecstatic way, or like a, yeah. I wasn't like overcome by bliss in some way, but it was more like me taking a step out of like my normal like head headspace and yeah. like looking at the situation and like where I was and just being like, wow. Yeah. Like this is all factual. I mean, you know, this is all, this is, you know, this is, this is real life, you know, that, that Lord Chaitanya is there, Prabhupada's there and, mm. and uh, their mercy is, is always flowing. Wow. Yeah. Like we said at the beginning, this, you know, Sangraton is an act of the internal potency and mm. the kind of uh, panoramic perspective uh, it can give us, you know, in terms of, you know, we've talked many times on this show and, and I shared a little bit just in terms of building one's own faith by the practice of Sankirtan, you know, it's that it's a super sadhana. It's a, um, but, but just the kind of a perspective it can allow us to have when we can see the internal potency working and using us as instruments, as vehicles mm. uh, to to connect what otherwise is disconnected and 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 a long shot right you know to mm -hmm. to have all the knobs turned that mm. that made that possible that made that interaction take place mm. it's it's astonishing and it's it's uh it's refreshing so so edifying and so faith-giving and i mean also the way i look at it as look at it is you know, there's there's reasons there's a reason why Prabhupada emphasized book distribution so much you know, mm. it wasn't just to save the other conditioned souls and to help spread the movement but it's I think it's also so that we can have these experiences yeah and and like really get so much more faith and um, and connect with with Lord Chaitanya and Krishna directly like this and and um, and just be um, hoisted up by yep. these ecstatic waves that come um, when we just put ourselves out there and make ourselves available. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. Yeah, I was, <clears throat> I was deeply moved when I first heard that it was, uh, it was in your kind of an impromptu offering to Srila Prabhupada for his uh, Tirubhav actually, not Vyasa Puja, Tirubhav. 
Mm. And uh, that whole day was moving. I remember we, we got to celebrate here in Ypsilanti with you. And um, it was right after Govardhan Puja festival and just, you know, very moving. And, and this, this story definitely stood out to me. Um, now I'm in the seat of surprise and discovery because I've never heard this other story. But uh, you said you have another example kind of an experience in Sankirtan that you want to share with us. What's that all about? Yes, this is one of my favorites because um, with uh, the first one, um, you know, he was obviously very into it and we, we established a good kind of connection afterwards. He, uh, he obviously lives in Vegas, as I mentioned previously. So and, and in I Vegas, it's, it's where all the Vegas reside. Vacho Vegas, Anna Vegum, Jiwa Vegum. All the Vegas yeah. reside in Vegas. <laughs> Yeah, so um, yeah, he has he has the odds stacked against him in some ways, but but um, yeah, it's 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 kind of, I think it's working out for him. I've I've made some contact here and there, but he's connected with some of the devotees down there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but in this other case, um, the ultimate uh, where they are now is um, is really cool and mm-hmm. even more encouraging. So. Yeah. This happened uh, during the height of COVID, and um, at that time, like March 2020, or like yeah, so it was March um, over the winter. We could say I'll start there. Over the winter, we we previously we were doing a lot of book distribution in the park, and obviously hand in hand, you know, face to face, meeting people, talking to people. Yeah. Then once COVID really kicked up, then we went into. Um, online mode and we just started calling people and reaching out to people on Facebook and um, and still keeping the fire going that way yeah but then as spring started to roll around you know that itch came back you know of like oh my god it's so nice out today and it's you know it's such a perfect day to be out in the park doing book distribution and yeah. and um, so eventually me and my now wife money Mundry, we kind of said to ourselves Let's just be really careful, you know, we'll wear a mask, we'll wear gloves, we'll use some chalk and, you know, draw six feet, you know, in front of the mm. table so that, you know, we could say that we're taking all precautions and let's just get back in the park and see what happens. Mm. So get out there in your hazmat suits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, do the do the needful, do what we yeah. gotta do, but let's let's go out there and make face to face connections with people and because that's always been for me where the real um, juices, you know, you can meet yeah. somebody and, and speak to them and really have like a good dynamic going with them and, mm. and, um, and, um, really give them a positive impression. Ultimately, that's the goal always. Yeah. So meanwhile, the night before, um, this day, and we decided to go out, there was one boy, uh, somewhere in New Jersey, who had um, about three months prior received a book in a subway station. And um, he had been into it at the time when he first received it, but he wasn't really in like a space where he could fully appreciate it. And he was, he was always very spiritual. Mm. And so he was exploring lots of different things. Um, but to him, it was just like another book in, in the collection for the most part. Yeah. Then cue John V. Harrison. Mm. Uh, Johnny released her album with Willow. Mm. Oh, and, yeah. Um, yeah, to wide critical acclaim. And obviously, it was a huge success. 
but for him, um, once he heard it, then he got into Janavi, and then once he started listening to Janavi's music, then he said, that's when he realized that Krishna was the form of the divine that he wanted to worship. Wow. So, so powerful, the effect of music, as you know, of course. Mm. Um, so he had that kind of moving realization from Janavi's music. And then after that, he kind of picked that book back up because you remembered it had something about Krishna. Mm. And he started reading it and he was seeing that he needed to find association and he needed other quote-unquote devotees. So I'm, I'm sure at the time he didn't so much even know what that actually meant, but he needed like-minded association. Yeah. And so back to the night before, he began praying that night, please send me a spiritual friend, mm -hmm. someone I can connect with on this level, right? Okay, and he's from New Jersey. So then day of, we finally decided we're going to go to the park. And uh, we get out there, hazmat suits, chalk, <laughs> Purell, we're ready to go. And of course, there's like nobody there because it's still like the height of COVID. You know, yeah, everyone's I mean? locked down. Oh my God! Yeah, people were wasn't still it, so scared. I mean, wasn't it like a, wasn't it illegal to go outside? It was illegal at that point, I think, to have like more than thirty people in like given area, like okay. like in a, yeah, like I remember. I think at that time, like cops were like kind of still patrolling the park and making sure it wasn't too crowded and stuff like that. And um, you could be outside. Um, you just couldn't like be like in the in like a mask in like a you know a good sized yeah. gathering. Yeah, yeah, okay. But still, people were terrified for the most part, and so yeah. there was like nobody in Washington Square Park on a beautiful day on like a weekend, which is like unheard of. You know, usually, yeah. even if it's like winter and it's like a semi nice day on a weekend in Washington Square Park, there's gonna be tons of kids and uh, college yeah. students from NYU and stuff out there. But because of COVID, that was the situation. There was nobody in the park. Um, that is, except for one boy who decided that day that he was going to come into the city from New Jersey just on a whim, just because he felt bored and he had nothing else to do. So, of course, this boy was none other than the one you've just been mentioning. He was praying so fervently the night before for a spiritual friend. Wow. And uh, lo and behold, as soon as he enters the park, he sees from the distance this yellow sign that says free meditation books <laughs> so of course he uh, is interested and he moseys on over and he uh, says what's going on here and we tell him oh, books on yoga meditation so you get free from stress and he's like oh wait is this Krishna and I'm like yeah this is Krishna I'm like you know is that okay yeah. <laughs> people have different uh, perceptions but he's like yeah no I'm into this you know I've actually been been looking to get more into this and i'm like wow that's awesome and um so anyway of course um i took his number and uh we began texting he's a very intelligent uh boy going he's going to fordham university and he's studying music and um but you know really wanting to get into spiritual life like very seriously and mm. so then we began reading together and um I connected him with uh, one Gorshan Prabhu, very uh, incredible brahmachari, originally from, I believe, like the Chaupati kind of um, congregation, GEV Chaupati, and then he came here to serve Radhanath Swami's uh, project. Mm. And um, they like really hit it off as well. And they were reading together, and I was reading with him. And 
he started doing some service and eventually he got to the point where he said, I just want to fully dedicate myself to this. So then he moved into the Bhakti Center for some time and it was during COVID and so things were very locked down. And Mm. um, so he, he of course, liked it and liked the devotees, but uh, he wanted kind of a more like dynamic and um, active experience. Yes, exactly. Active experience. So then he wound up going down to uh, Krishna House. Mm. And um, now he's at the point where he's actually like in a managerial role down there. And he's aspiring for a spiritual master. And wow. and um, he's fully dedicated his life. He's, he's now in the process of potentially accepting some brahmachari uh, vows and, and, um, and becoming a full-on... Hare Krishna, so to speak. So, <laughs> wow. one of the uh, that's one of my favorite stories, just because he's such a sweet devotee, also, and yeah, um, he means a lot to me. I remember meeting this devotee too, and just the um, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't be able to tell. I, I met him just this last May, was it during Rathayatra or June? Yeah, yeah, and uh, we had a little program at your place, and um. Now that you're sharing this story, I'm recalling meeting this person because I, you know, he told me a little bit of his story and, mm. yeah, just a, a wherewithal and a, a, a groundedness. You know, someone that, uh, like you described, is is very clearly, um, sincerely seeking and, and wanting to apply themselves. Mm. And yeah, it, it's often you mentioned kind of in um, this was kind of one point that w- in the first story that, you know it can be easy to forget or to uh, not recognize or yeah, to forget rather that Krishna is making magical arrangements that he's doing wonderful and powerful things. uh, And that every living entity is actually, you know, within the, within the embrace of his will, you know, that, that we're being living entities are being moved here and there, the moving and non-moving living entities all under the the guidance of Krishna. Actually, I just read this morning. Let me see if I can pull it up while I'm sharing this next point. But uh, but then there are those moments that kind of bring our awareness to that. They bring our awareness to the fact that okay, Krishna's doing something, and you know. And then specifically within the the practice of sankirtan, you know, it can often be like, well, what are these books actually doing? And um, who are they actually affecting? You know, in this first story you shared where this person had received a book and then, you know, here they are again meeting a devotee and just kind of the, you know, the profundity of that moment for both you and that, you know, the golfer. Um, but it's also very encouraging to see these, you know, to see the follow-up, like what's happening with this boy and, and that there's this relationship that was able to maintain and stay kindled, you know, um yeah so here actually this is another verse this is in chapter 9 uh mm-hmm. verse 6 in the purport Prabhupada's quoting from the Brihadaranyaka Upanishad 38 uh 38:9 he says by the supreme order under the superintendence of the supreme personality of godhead the moon the sun and the other great planets are moving right and then in brahma samhita it's chakshuresha savita sakalagrahanam Rajasamastasuramut tirashesha tejaha 
यज्ञय भ्रमति संभृत काल चक्रो गोविंद मारी पुरुषम तमहम बजामी दिस इज डिस्क्रिप्शन ऑफ द मूवमेंट ऑफ द सन एंड इट इज सेड दैट द सन इज कंसीडर्ड टू बी वन ऑफ द आईज ऑफ द सुप्रीम लॉर्ड एंड दैट इट हैज इमेंस पोटेंसी टू डिफ्यूज हीट एंड लाइट एंड एंड सो दिस पॉइंट दैट या कृष्ण इज मेकिंग एवरीथिंग मूव एंड व्हेन वी कैन बिकम प्रिवी टू दैट हाउ एनकरेजिंग इट इज आई आई मे हैव शेयर्ड इट ऑन द शो बिफोर वन टाइम we were waiting to welcome the padukas of nityananda and uh we had a program scheduled that same night it was uh we had a program called dharma den uh, out there in colorado which was a very wonderful program and you know uh so wonderful that the neighbors complained about the noise <laughs> and uh anyway we decided rather than kind of cancel the program or rather than kind of you know we're just going to put the programs together so we had a little introduction hey this is what's going on today people that were brand new or like we're welcoming these sacred items these sacred objects that are coming all the way from india and then there's going to be a monk and he's going to share janani vas prabhu mm-hmm. wow yeah. uh so we just had everyone from the dharmaden come and do kirtan to welcome the padukas Mm-hmm. and uh we're there on the street corner just doing a rowdy kirtan dancing and singing <laughs> and you know the padukas are coming and cars are driving by it's right there on 14th street so all these cars are driving by anyway we welcome the padukas in and and you know then janani vas starts describing mayapur and it's just it was transportive mm-hmm. but later we get an email from a woman who said i don't know what was happening or why you guys were out there but i drive down 14th to get home every day and i was feeling you know so depressed and just so sad and i saw everyone dancing and smiling and singing i lowered my window and my whole day just was uplifted thank you mm-hmm. for whatever it was that you guys were doing right and right. sent sent an email to the temple like that and it's just like oh mm-hmm. that's happening all the time actually right like the impact of the living entities or the impact yeah. on the living entities is happening but when you can see it <laughs> when it mm. when when krishna sends it back to us and it's just like oh you see this boy who's praying for a a spiritual friend he got a book and then he heard mm. janavi and then he i want a friend that you know is into this and now he's like mm. at the point of i want to give my life to krishna right yeah i mean it's it's if we could only see right like you're saying i mean to kind of step back and see it all from that perspective and it um it really shows you how powerful the process is i mean even if you look from a from a, a uh, even further back perspective mm. you look at it like you know souls are for millions and millions and millions and millions of births traveling through different bodies and suffering and experiencing so much experiencing so much anguish and and pain and and um just going through it for literally billions of years practically yeah and then finally somehow or other by the mercy of of lord chaitanya by the mercy of shri prabhupad they hear the holy name yeah and then just by that just by that devotee who maybe wasn't feeling that good that day maybe it was raining or something but for whatever they they decide i'm going to go out and make myself available yeah then that person's whole destiny is changed forever yeah. i mean it's it's the beginning of the end of their endless suffering in the material world yeah. whereas previously it was a totally hopeless scenario 
Now, just because they came in contact with the holy name, even if they were inimical towards it, right? I mean, that's over here. Even if they had a, a negative uh, kind of view on what was going on, just because they were in that proximity, just because of Lord Chaitanya's mercy and Srila Prabhupada's dedication and his uh, persistence and his mercy, mm-hmm. now that person, regardless of their qualification or, or how sinful they may have been, now they've started their progressive march towards towards praying and yeah. towards towards actually the highest thing in all of existence and I, so to see it from that angle also really helps me as well yeah. because like you're saying a lot of times people do ask you well, what are the results and and um you know what what do we have to show but in reality if you um if you if you uh zoom out a little bit yeah. then you'll be able to see that there's a lot going on, you know. Yeah. I, I I recall that verse. That I'm, I'm forgetting exactly where, but the sentiment is that if one sees the devotees, one can understand that they will very soon see the Supreme Lord. Just as when one seen, sees the glow on the horizon, one will very soon see the sun. Mm. And uh, I remember a time I went camping. I was just kind of... And anyway, I was very unprepared <laughs> to go on this camping trip. And I was cold all night. All I had was a hammock and an army blanket. And, mm. uh, you know, hammock's a horrible thing to sleep in when it's cold. I mean, mm. most of the time it's a horrible thing to sleep in. <laughs> maybe maybe a nap, but it's not a it's not a sleeping, yeah. <laughs> sleeping option. And uh, at least for me. And, you know, I was just up all night. And it was just the dense darkness of the forest. Mm. And uh, hopeless and just like languid you know languishing just waiting for the the morning the next day and then just the relief that came over me when i saw the glow of the sun right so suddenly being able to recognize that we've all of us you know hearing this podcast i'm sure and you know you and me we've heard the holy name we've seen the the glow on the horizon we've met the vaishnavas and uh how how much uh assurance we can feel in knowing that you know our sun is rising right Mm. and um yeah it's very special thank you for uh thank you for sharing those two stories and uh thank you for your dedication and being available for mahaprabhu and uh for inspiring me and thank you for your friendship and uh yeah I, i i so much appreciate this conversation that we've had Thank you for the opportunity. It's always edifying even just to remember these stories, what to speak of actually um, going out there and experiencing such things. And so thank you for the opportunity to, to speak. And um, I, of course, want to thank my spiritual master for giving me the instruction to, to be out there and be available. Mm. And um, all glories to Srila Prabhupada. Jai. <laughs> Oh Hare Krishna! Thank you so much, and uh, we'll have you. We'll have you back very soon, cause uh, we got. I got more ideas. I got more. There's more nectar to squeeze out of you, so uh, uh, we'll have you back very soon. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Prabhu. Thank you again for listening to Sankirtan On. Please feel free to subscribe and share with your friends for regular updates and inspirational stories on how, by giving, we grow. Thank you for sharing this time with us. All glories to Srila Prabhupada.